Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. The SolarWinds breach has been the big security news lately. It's making headlines for many reasons. It's one of the most stealthy attacks going undetected for months. It targeted U.S. government agencies like the Pentagon, as well as major tech companies like Microsoft, Cisco, and Intel. Plus, it's one of the biggest whodunits. No one is certain who's to blame. In this episode of Cybersecurity Simplified, we'll get past the headlines and break down the SolarWinds security breach. I'm your co-host, Susanna Song, Director of Communications at Highwire Networks. And I'm Dave Barton, CTO at Highwire Networks. Hi, Dave. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. You know, we follow the news uh, because we want to be on top of all cybersecurity attacks here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks. But this one really captured headlines across even mainstream news because it was so large. Yeah, you know, the truth is it was it was top of mind in every major publication across the U.S., and, and I would argue probably globally. It was the biggest event we've seen in cybersecurity in, in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the piece you didn't talk about in the intro is we still don't know the impact. There are pieces that, A, we don't have access to yet in terms of who, were, who was impacted, when they were impacted, those type of things. But more importantly, um, did we get it? Right? Did we get all of the infestations of these solar winds issues resolved? I'm not sure that we did. Yeah. So let's break down what we do know. Let's help our listeners and our viewers uh, to start from the basics of what we do know. So this massive breach occurred last March. So we're coming up on a year. A year, uh, yes. And amid <clears throat> COVID nineteen uh, pandemic outbreak, and as we talked about in episode seven. Uh, it was a very opportunistic uh, move, right, by the hackers because every it was chaotic, right, and it was coronavirus. People were all moving to remote workplaces, and uh, things were kind of in motion. So right. the hackers knew this was kind of a, a perfect time, right? It was the perfect storm. Well, it was a it was a great opportunity to start to connect into places from remote places that have never connected to before because now you're sending everybody home. Right. Right. So part of the challenge is seeing the initial impact or exploit. Um, I don't know that anyone did. In fact, I would argue that uh, with what we do know, there's no evidence that shows exactly when it started. Mm. All we know is somewhere, somehow, bad guys got into SolarWinds and went into their software repository and and dropped in, I think someone said 29 lines of code or something to that effect. It's so small that, and and we could talk about how we might've caught it, but if if you weren't looking for anomalous behavior, you weren't, you weren't going to see it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, the, the step further is SolarWinds packaged up their new version of code and made it available to all their customers. Well, hmm. any good customer goes, there's a patch, there's an update. Mm-hmm. I've already paid for maintenance. It's coming from a trusted supplier. Let's go ahead and push it. So they did. And then once they pushed it, all those machines were now available to be talked to by the bad guys. Right. And so the, the update itself 
was the right thing because software companies have right. these updates so that you get, you know, new add-ons where they fix bugs. We've, um, we've been conditioned to do it, right? right? Every, every Tuesday is Patch Tuesday mm-hmm. for Microsoft, right? We're conditioned to, to go get their patches or their updates and push them to our production environments. Even if we had pushed it into a dev environment or a test environment first, would we have had the controls in place that would have seen that new part of code beacon out, right? Reach out to the mothership, if you will. I don't know that we would have seen that because most people don't put due diligence in their dev environments to look for strange behaviors, right? It's, 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 the truth is even our really good security programs aren't necessarily looking for anomalies in their vendor supplied products. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is huge. And whoever mastermind this knew that we had a penchant for, we have a patch, let's put it in place. We're, we're not gonna go into dev and test first. We're gonna push it into production. We're not gonna have tools in place to look for the anomalies. And it was so small that it just started to talk and everyone missed it. Yeah, SolarWinds is the IT company Orion is the software system. It is their platform, and, yes. And the hacks spread through that kind of traditional update you were you were mentioning, David. Um, and of course, once SolarWinds, you know, sends that notice out to customers that uh, it's time to update, the customers are going to oblige, right? They're going to right. That's to what listen. we do. Yeah, we're conditioned to do it. And. Uh, the SEC, I guess the the meeting that they had, um, the SolarWinds said about eighteen thousand of their customers installed the update with right. that malware. That's right. That's incredible. Well, and and let's you know take it a step further. These aren't small organizations, mm-hmm. right? Um, SolarWinds is is a great tool. It, they make great products. They're not um, inexpensive. And so you're typically seeing the mid-market to enterprise, giant enterprise customers buying their products. And, you know, those 18,000, every one of them, you know, they were just following that Patch Tuesday mentality. Hmm. Let's go update our system. And in the process got infected. So how was this hacker breach caught? So, you know, Funny, Nine months later, had, by the way, in December, right. mm-hmm. they had a, um, I believe they had a password, uh, multi-factor password is what caught them. Mm. So someone had, uh, one of the accounts had been used and they, they tried to reset a password. So these were the bad guys trying to use a legitimate account, uh, did the password reset, trying to get in. Um, and one of the SolarWinds people said, wait a minute, why? Why are we doing that? It's my account. Um, something's going on. And at that point, they started doing their digging to figure out what was happening in their environment. And that's what led them uh, to that point. Yeah, and during those nine months, you know, we're assuming that it happened in March. It was caught nine months later in December. Those bad actors stole a lot of sensitive data, including classified information, because our U.S. government um, – we, we talked about the Pentagon, different departments and agencies uh, were relying on this software. And they are. All of their information um, 
was so stolen. I'm not going to go as far as to say classified data was stolen. Okay. Um, uh, a, there's not enough proof for it yet. Um, there's some some things we can make some assumptions on. Um, everything I've heard says that it's agencies in the government that aren't necessarily dealing in classified data. So okay. from that perspective, That's good to know. I'm still not I'm still not out of the woods on that one yet, but I'm not as worried about it as as and until we learn more. So based on what we know today, yes, they had access to um, you know, Department of Revenue or or whatever. I don't even know if it was Department of Revenue, but they had agencies that they had impacted. Um, so you can assume a lot of our data has been taken, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I always talk about dwell time. And and if I have more than 30 days of dwell time in your network as a bad guy, I'm going to take everything you've got. So we can assume everybody who had solar winds and they were impacted and infected, most of their intellectual property sensitive data is probably gone. It's been taken. We're not done seeing the fallout of this. Yeah. You know, one of SolarWinds customers is Microsoft. And uh, recently on 60 Minutes, Brad Smith, who is the president of Microsoft, said, quote, from a software engineering perspective, it's probably fair to say that this is the largest and most sophisticated attack the world has ever seen. Do you yeah, I don't, I don't argue that point. I, I, mm-hmm. I think he is, and, and that's surprising that he's taking that position considering where he works and the role he plays. Um, it's very honest uh, because I, I believe to his point, it is the largest we've ever seen. And again, I, I don't think we're going to see all of the fallout of this breach, um, you know, for a couple of years yet. I still think people are trying to figure out what's the impact. You know, we, we haven't seen a lot of breach notifications come out yet, but Everyone that I've seen who, you know, almost every state has some version of a breach notification law. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is you're going to start to see all those 18,000 customers, they're going to get subpoenaed. And they're all of the state attorney generals are going to say, show me what the impact was, what data was taken. Yeah. I think, I honestly think, Susanna, we're looking at two years, three years of discovery, litigation, lawsuits, notification, all that is still on the horizon. Yeah, I think when people hear about SolarWinds cyber attack, they immediately go to the multiple government agencies because that's what made headlines, right? It was, Uh, yes. But if you look at the numbers, actually 80% of the victims targeted were non-government organizations and businesses. Uh, So like you said, in the next two years, a lot more will be uncovered and I think private citizens who may have had an account with some of these That's right. larger businesses That's may exactly be finding right. out that some of their information was compromised. Have they published the 18,000 account list yet? They haven't. Yeah, I, I, no. I would expect somebody's going to file a lawsuit to get that so that all of us who may have had accounts impacted, we can know and we can go to our banks and say, wait a minute. You know, Bank ABC, uh, I know you guys were impacted. T- tell me, was any of my data at risk? I, I, <clears throat> yeah, I, we I have a right to know. We're, you know. we're just at the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. So there's someone to blame out there. So 
in the intro, I said, who done it, right? There's there's speculation out there. Right. Um, if you Google this cyber attack, you'll read different from different sources who people assume caused this. Right. Um, in your opinion, as a security practitioner and kind of your experience, from what you've read, what are you leaning toward or who are you leaning toward? Um, so traditionally in the past, there's been two organized hacking type of groups, right? Um, one out for profit, right? Those are the ones who typically perpetrate fraud. They're doing credit cards or they're buying and selling medical records, that kind of thing. Those are traditionally associated with, with Russia. And then you've got state sponsored that's going after intellectual property. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of speculation, but, and that's typically coming out of China. Mm -hmm. So my gut tells me that it's coming out of China um, simply because of the nature of where those 80% that aren't government, uh, a lot of those are high tech, right? And why not put something in a software release that gives you a backdoor that lets you go steal whatever it is you want, right? That's the issue. And so I, I think more than likely it's going to point to China. And, and that's because of those reasons. Now, there are some folks who say, no, it was, it was Russia. You know, President Trump said it was China. Hmm. Historically, right, organized crime coming out of Russia. Um, State-sponsored hacking is coming out of China. Okay. Well, yeah, the full extent of the attack is still unfolding. So it is. Yep. We'll eventually find out. Uh, why should our listeners care, David? Um, you know, so, it's a headline right now. We don't know much, but why should businesses and consumers care about this particular breach? You know, I, I think it's it's a couple of reasons. One is there's so many unknowns still. And, you know, it, it's like when you hear about, oh, a, a large retailer got compromised, you start to pay attention to your credit cards, right? Because you're, you know, you may have been a Target customer, right. you may have been a Home Depot customer. Um, so as a consumer, you should be paying attention to see if there's anything different happening with your own personal accounts, whether it's your credit rating, your bank accounts, your credit cards, whatever, pay attention. Right. And if nothing else, this is a, a flare that was shot up. Something's happening. Pay attention to your stuff right now. Um, two, there were 18,000 customers impacted. And we don't know the extent of those customer breaches yet. Um, you know, I think three, this, this makes us start to think about the Patch Tuesday mentality. In fact, we should, we should rename this the Patch Tuesday episode. Um, and I don't know that the patch was pushed on a Tuesday, but the idea is still, it's coming from a trusted supplier. Therefore, let's just trust it. And what this has highlighted to me is there need to be more controls that even though you're trusting those suppliers, you verify it's, it's security 101, right? We trust, but we verify. Oh, looks like there I we go. Yes. Got You've got to guess. Last week it was my dog. Can I help you? And she's joining our, our kid cast as All opposed right. to our pup cast. I apologize. 
Don't apologize. <laughs> that's what happens um, when you're working remote and your your kids are all that's set. right that's right um cool you know the the thing that i i think the last piece to answer your question is we need to be thinking about how do we make sure when we get those patch tuesday updates that we have controls in place to detect should something bad happen or should something different happen right because in this case had we had tools looking at like let's say I was a SolarWinds customer and I had a a tool on the server. When that SolarWinds new executable started to work, it reached out, right? And if you're not looking for anomalies in that space, you would have missed it. Mm -hmm. There's technologies that will catch that and it'll pop up a flag and said, hey, we have a new process running. Hey, we're hitting a new server we've never talked to before. having anomaly detection in place on the server level might have helped catch it quicker. Having an anomalous behavior on the network happening as well, network detection and response. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing anomalous behavior going, again, to IPs and URLs that we've never been to before, we've never had a reason to go to, would have at least given us an alert, something changed, right? And then I think the other piece that's interesting is is those same network traffic analysis tools, the NDRs, can also give us anomalies on volume. So if you think about what happened with SolarWinds, bad guy got on, started doing some things, probably started moving data out of your network. Having a tool that goes, wait a minute, this SolarWinds server never moves this much data out of the network, right? That would have triggered as an anomaly. And when you Couple all of those anomalies with some other detection uh, techniques like um, geolocation and reputation, you get a fighting chance at catching it. Because at the end of the day, this is our only option is is controlling the code as much as you can, but then monitoring and looking for anomalies. That's So if you're building a security program and you've got SolarWinds or you've got other vendor supplied tools, Think about putting tools in place that's going to show you when something different happens. Does that make sense? It does. So to me, this is like a wake-up call, especially for for federal cybersecurity efforts and for these larger enterprise businesses. Has to be. That's right. I'll close with this thought. We are one of the most innovative countries in the world, right? And that puts a target on our back. And if we're not innovating ways to detect people who are trying to take our intellectual property, we're failing. So look at opportunities to put controls in place to protect that innovation. Why would we want to give away a couple billion dollars worth of research to a company in another country that stole it for a couple hundred thousand, mm-hmm. right? That's the economics piece that, that I think we miss. Invest in security tools, look for ways to find anomalies, um, and then take action when you find them. All great advice, David. If you have any questions about what David and I uh, explored around the SolarWinds Orion cyber attack, uh, feel free to contact us at uh, marketing at highwirenetworks.com. We would love to continue this conversation. Also, please be sure to join us for our next episode, Automation, the secret to responding to rising threats. 
Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast.